0: Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me in another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. I have Mr. Michael Bolero with me and we're going to talk about we're actually going to talk about a buffet of subject matters actually (laughs) we're going to go from left to right up and down but we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it michael thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today
1: appreciate that thank you jason
0: Hey, for everyone out there that's watching and listening and don't know necessarily a lot about you or or how you got started in the industry, I always like kicking off these podcasts with a little origin story. So Michael, how did you get started in, in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry?
1: Absolutely. So in the mid-90s, I was dating my wife and uh, my father-in-law has been in the car business since the 70s. And uh nice. So imagine, you know, I, so just a quick bio, you know, I, I come from a, a family of immigrants. My mother's from Cuba, um, uh, third, three, four generations from Cuba. My dad's side of the family is Italian. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. And, uh, you know, I'm dating my wife. Uh, and, uh, she said, Hey, go meet my dad up at the car dealership. And uh, he was working at uh, South motors Nissan. I think it was in the, on us one in homestead. I think it was. And I remember going up there and meeting a man and he was so, he was so harsh on me, dude. He was like, <laughs> yeah, he was just giving me the olive a And I asked him, what do I need to sell cars, Manny? He said, you need one, two things. You need a pen and you need a determination. I said, okay, I, I've got both of those." And he said, be here tomorrow at 7.00 AM. I showed up at 7.00 AM. There wasn't a soul on the site. You know, <laughs> no one was there meeting starts at nine and uh, that was it, man. I got in the car business and uh, I think it was, I, I always go gray on this area, but I, I want to say it was October 95. Um, and, uh, that was it. Yeah. We started selling cars. I learned from guys like Manny, you know, the old school, just really, really tough, you know, shrewd hard car, you know, car guys that, mm-hmm. you know, I feel invented the business. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, lost, they're lost, uh, they're dying, they're a dying breed of guys in the car business. That is true. They, they really are. But Jason, I went from there and then we moved to Dallas in the, in, in the late nineties because my father-in-law got a job opportunity out here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we worked for a uh, large Pontiac Buick and GMC dealership. And the, the guy that he went to partner up with, there was an old friend of his from the car business back in the seventies. Uh, I call him my uncle. He's, his name is Gus Rodriguez. the do principal up here in, uh, in McKinney, Texas. Good, good people, like family to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from there we just, you know, we, 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 they, they groomed me and, and, and got me into six stops. I worked in the service drive for several years. Uh, you know, uh, I wrote service, and, and that was a good experience. I'm glad I had that experience to to write service at a at a domestic, and uh, and then I went to the used car to, uh, department where Manny, my father-in-law, was primarily. You know that was his forte, and that is you so know cool. that's it. I never look back. So
0: you know, what? Got you, got, the, you got sucked yeah, but, into it, man. Well, it sounds yeah. like you kind of relationship-wise got sucked into it. But I I think it's cool. However, like I find people either stumble their way into it, they were born into it, or they get conned into it. There might be a little bit of that in your story, <laughs> Who knows? but, um, but, but it's so cool. And, and look, I, I love the fact that we were able to, uh, connect and, and have this conversation today. And boy, we, like I said, we just kind of have like just a, a, a mesh of, of topics. And I thought the first topic that you picked today was really kind of cool because I don't think it's getting talked about a lot is kind of the lack of dealership efforts in, you know, major social media platforms, such as TikTok. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely that is is a great example of a platform that has really kind of uh, demystified or uh, um, debunked, I think, what dealers understanding is of social media. What are your thoughts on how dealers can better use TikTok in their marketing efforts?
1: Yeah, I think that first off, you've got 60 seconds to tell a story. Yep. And so I love TikTok because number one, it makes you better in the sales world because you really have to hone in on getting the information out quickly and making it simple enough for a six or seven-year-old to understand it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I love it because if you can do those things, you can do it at scale. And all of a sudden, you find yourself putting content out there two or three times a day, and you can really build a large audience. People love cars. They love to know about cars. They love to know how much they cost. They love to know what options and equipment they have. They love to know your opinion just on them. 100%. And people don't do a very good job at that, I feel.
0: Well, you know what it is? It goes back to actually, you know what's the fun thing? It's, <laughs> I think as, as a lot of dealers out there look at TikTok and they just, they don't get it. The funny thing is I actually think they do get it better than most. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we think about kicking it old school, all right, the art of telling stories is, it was, was the, the, the make or break depending on how successful you were as a salesperson. Right. If you think about it, it's like some of the best salespeople I've ever, ever, ever met. All right. We're just straight up professionals in telling a story and just being able to kind of paint out what that what that product looked like or the value that product brought to the customer. And I feel like that is our opportunity with TikTok. But I think a lot of dealerships don't necessarily know where to start or what stories to tell. I'm sure you probably have some thoughts on
1: this. I do. Yeah. I mean, so where to start? Obviously, download the yeah. app play around with it a little <laughs> bit. It's, yeah. It's, it's got some of the, here's what I love about it. It's got some really, really cool features, right? So you can, you can do so much with their methods of recording videos. Uh, they have something that I use a lot, which is called the green screen filter and you can drop an image in the background and literally have an automatic, you know, green screen. So whatever that image you want behind you could be the picture of your dealership could be the picture of a car. doesn't matter. You can talk about that in segments. Right. Um, and then I think, once they play around with it, which I think most people do, which I did, I was putting videos of my dog and <laughs> and and just and just little ridiculous videos. But then my son challenged me one day. He said, Dad, what is it that you're trying to accomplish on TikTok? I said, Man, I I just want attention. I mean, that's what anyone's on social media for. For sure. So he said, Well, why don't you talk about things you really love? And that, are, you know, cars. And I was like, Okay, how, what do you think? So this is the mind of a 14, 15-year-old, you know, young boy, man. He was <laughs> like, Dad, just talk about cool cars, talk about Bugattis, talk about Teslas. I mean, talk about just talk about the things you know and just do the research and then provide data that's real and factual and make it fun. So that's what I started doing.
0: Got a smart kid. Uh,
1: yeah. So I think that's where they start. Download the app, play around with it. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be consistent.
0: You know what? That, that is very true. I think with a lot of networks out there, the first step is just do. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, like I think every dealership has a story, every product has a story and every person has a story. And yeah. I think as consumers, I'm a firm believer that as consumers that we buy into a, we buy into a story before we buy into a product. And, you know, one of the reasons for that is you never hear anybody tell you that they bought the $250 bi-weekly car. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's Nobody, right. nobody's just like, so what kind of truck did you get, Bob? Uh, I got the $250 bi-weekly one. Good choice. Nice. Nice. They come with fender flares. Um, Like (laughs) like, Nobody says shit like that. right? Um, So we want to connect to that story. So I think, you know, what would be, you know, some advice for people out there watching, listening right now, what are, what are some good stories that you think, um, Mm -hmm. you know, would be good stories to start with dealerships, you know, in their TikTok efforts?
1: Yeah. First it's personal. So I think that if I was a salesman at at a dealership right now, and there are several sales guys on TikTok, I can tell you right now, that are doing really exceptionally well. There's one of them, that's a Chevrolet guy. He's got half a million or five, 600,000 followers on. He does really well. Um, as a matter of fact, I think we've seen him on, the, on Clubhouse before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that to start with the personal story, you know, just to, just to kind of, you know, let the audience get to know who you are, you know, what you like. And that could be in the form of opinions. You know, hey guys, I'm up here today with this 2018, you know, Dodge Charger. It's got the SXT package on it, it's got these 22 inch rims on. It. I don't know if I really like the color of those. What do you think? It's that simple. And then just you know, make a call to action. And and then little by little through 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 the opinions of these people, through the opinions of a salesperson, whomever it is, that's doing the, the recording on TikTok, people get to know you. And then the, the second thing I would say is you want to engage with the audience. This is where I, this is where I think about 80% of the people. If 100% of the people do what we're talking about right now, Jason, 80% mm-hmm. of them are going to fail at this. They're oh, not going to reply back to people in comments. No, you know
0: what? You're absolutely right. Like it, it blows my mind because it's actually in the name of what it is it's social media. <laughs> right. And it, it seems like as an industry, we've done a half decent job or a pretty decent job or some definitely better than others of embracing the, the media. Side right. of social media, but we do seem to totally forget that the whole point of these networks is to be social. So that means you have to engage. All right. You have to look for people locally. All right. Look, find, you know, one of the best opportunities you have on social media is what I call collaborations. All right. Find other TikTok, you know, people. If you're not good at it, that's fine. All right. Mm-hmm. Find ones that are. And and you know what? The one thing that dealerships all have, we have space. Oh my gosh, do we have space. We build these Mm -hmm. multi-million dollar Taj Mahals, All right? Reach out to some of these influencers and say, hey, you want some space, right? You want some some cool cars to put behind it? Like collaborate, think, hack your way into it, right? And I think there's great opportunities to do that. Uh, But but we have to be social. We have to communicate. We have to reach. We have to connect. You know, you were kind of, you mentioned it a little bit about the individual person, which I think is a Mm -hmm. great, this kind of leads into kind of our next topic here is salesperson uh salespeople, sorry, and uh their social branding efforts. All right, what are some best practices for uh salespeople in creating their own social brand?
1: Yeah, definitely. So you know obviously creating a brand is a feeling, right? So you know when you, you buy a pair of Nike shoes or, or Adidas uh because First, the logo is the first thing that captures your mind, and then it's the second thing is the way it makes you feel. Maybe when you were a kid, you thought it made you made it. You know, these shoes make me run faster, right? So there, there's there's a feeling that it comes with. So I think by the, the brand aspect from a human perspective is how does this person make me feel? I mean, there's several exactly. people that I'm sure you, you and I watch that are that are you know speakers that make us feel a certain way. We, we you know we we, we like or enjoy watching him or her. And the second thing I think is you know in order to build a brand. You got to come with real value. You know, I, I, you want the audience to leave with the sense of, man, I actually enjoy watching this guy because not only do I like him and he's kind of cool and I feel relatable to this person, him or her, but also too, when I, when I, when I'm done watching 60 seconds of this guy's video or this girl's video, I actually feel like I learned something, right? I know more about him or her or him or his or her product or, or whatever it is that That's he or she you know, is talking about. So it, definitely it is, it is all
0: about value. I mean, you think about like all the brands that we connect, like we're consumers too. I think right. sometimes we forget that, right? And It's like the, the brands that I connect with are the ones that provide me the most amount of value, right? Right, And I find value comes in the form um, when we, when we're talking about content, value comes in the form of kind of two different types of content. And that is education or entertainment. Mm-hmm. I get value. In both of those. Right. I get value when I'm following uh, some of the video guys I like to follow. Right. And they're talking about the new camera equipments and, you know, new kind of tactics or strategies or angles or lighting and stuff like that. That's educating. And I find value and I'll continue to follow them and even buy into their brand. Like I've I've bought in several people's products that I follow all right, yeah. because they brought me so much value, I feel like I can at least do this for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or then, and then there's entertainment. There are brands that I follow because it's entertaining, you mm-hmm. know. Like for a while there, I was following was at um, Wendy's. Was, was it was Wendy's online? Yeah, they they were the ones that just kind of this real kind of snarky. Like, uh, or was it Burger King? I can't remember. I'm <laughs> getting them mixed up, right? <laughs> but they had this great campaign that they were just kind of like, just being kind of root. Like, it's like, if you wanted the company to uh, slam you, you just had to ask them, they'd slam you, right? And it was right, entertaining, right, right. it was funny, it was really funny, right? But there's entertainment value there. So it's like, I followed that brand for, all, for a while there, and they stopped the program because it just kind of became too much, right? It became repetitive. Um, but I think that's the key is in, in, when you when, when you hear that, all right, how do you think salespeople can educate or entertain in the form of content.
1: Yeah, I think they can do both, Jason. I mean, that's the right. thing. Let me get, walk give me you an that. example. So, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So on 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 the videos that I do, right? And trust me, I'm I'm no like camera guy, but you know, I enjoy talking about cars. So on the videos that I do, I found that what works best for me is this. First off, is the intro. So I, I you ask the question. You know, uh, you know, do you like? It? So let's say I just did one on. I just did one on the TRX, the Ram. I, I, did it at, I did it at my friend's dealership. There was one out there that my friend had bought. And I said, hey, let me do a quick live video on it. And here's what I do. Here are five things I love about the 2021 Ram TRX from Dodge City McKinney. Boom. And then I go into the five things that I love about it. And so it's mm-hmm. entertaining because I'm making it entertaining by the inflection of my eyebrows, the, the you know the gestures of my hand, right? Yeah, so entertainment. Energy, yeah. yeah, the energy. Exactly, right. And, 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 and the way I'm saying, and then like, as you said, the education wise, I did the research of the truck. I don't know everything about that truck. So I, before I made the video, I, I really researched what are the five things that I love most about the Ram TRX 2021. So I love the motor 6.2 liter supercharged 702 horsepower, right? Yep. I, I, I love the suspension system on it. I love the, the billet style, you know, wheels that it had on it. Uh, you know, I love the fact that the tire sits up in the back. I love the fact that it has a Baja mode. So I actually, I, I, I identified things that I really like, so that when I'm articulating this to the audience, it's coming across as transparent. This guy's not bullshitting. He's telling me the truth. Well, it's, um, it's personalizing. You're connecting now with the person, exactly. and their passion. So cool. I think they can do both. I think you can entertain and you can educate at the same time, but you've got to practice. I, I agree sure. with
0: you. I think you, you can educate and entertain at the same time if you're, passionate about it now you get that now that now if you're trying to both educate and entertain someone all right it is incredibly obvious really really fast if you if your whole heart is not in it because it's just not possible like it just it just it just doesn't work right So, so this is the one thing that i've given i've given a lot of advice on creating a personal brand and i've gone through the journey myself for the last you know five seven years so um but it's Talk about and create content around something you're passionate about. And look, just because you're in the automotive industry doesn't necessarily mean that that's what your passion is, right? I have, um, I guess, a good friend. He's turned into a good friend now. But it was someone that was working at a dealership that, uh, you know, uh, a dealer principal reached out to me and said, can you give him some advice, give him some pointers, right? And I was like, yeah, sure. It was a small GM dealership up north. And, um, you know, come to find out this guy couldn't close a deal of his life depended on it. just honestly wasn't in him, just not you couldn't sell cars, just it was just not his thing. Right. And he was about this close to just closing up and quitting and just not doing it anymore. And I realized that I'm like, okay, so look, selling cars is not your passion. I get it. It's your job. And He's like, yeah, I got to pay the bills. Okay, so tell me what your passion is. And that's when he told me that he's a, a se- he's a semi retired uh, professional angler. I had to look that up, by the way. There you go. Because I had no freaking clue what an angler was. (laughs) I didn't actually know that you could be a professional fisherman um, Mm -hmm. and actually be sponsored. This guy was sponsored. He was sponsored Mm -hmm. by these big names. And I think he mentioned one that I recognize, a Bass Pro shop. He was was a sponsor of Bass Pro. I was like, holy crap. Okay. And the second I got him talking about that, his eyes lit up. His world Mm -hmm. lit up. And I said, there you go. That's what you need to talk about he goes what do you mean i said that's what i need you to do so he started sitting in, in the back of his chevy tailgate or the back of the chevy pickup on the tailgate and started telling fishing stories now that was been now it's been several years and he has a monster following and you know he he are, he's selling trucks to people because of the tremendous amount of value that he's provided around the best fishing holes and the best Correct. lures and the best off. So, like that's the one thing I always want to warn people when they're creating their social brand is that people want to connect with you based on your passion. And your passion doesn't necessarily have to be what you actually do for a living. That's so um, true. You know, this is um, I think these are some great topics. In fact, we could actually probably do a whole podcast just on that one topic. But we had a couple sure. other ones in here that I really want to touch on because this right. one I thought was super interesting. And the fact you brought it up, I thought was super cool. All right, we're gonna shift gears here, guys. I know a little bit, but we're gonna talk about car dealerships embracing cryptocurrency and NFTs. Okay. <laughs> Not a whole lot of topics on this, even though I just recently saw a dealership post online that they're now accepting Bitcoin as payment uh, for the vehicles. So and I know you got some thoughts on this, but I'd love to hear it. How, as an industry, can we embrace cryptocurrency?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to come with with just the first off the knowledge and the understanding of what what cryptocurrency is, how it functions, and how it you know how it works, but. I mean, ultimately, look. Let's face it. When's the last time you've carried like legal tender cash in your pocket, right? Not often, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, we all have debits and credits. That's all we pay with. I mean, the last time you got paid, you got paid with credits from your employer or, or you know, whomever that might be out there, right? So, you know, cryptocurrency is a digital currency, and 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 the way it's traded and 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 the opinions on it. That's something I don't want to go into, but sure. It, in the dealer space, yeah, it's going to be absolutely relevant. I mean, people. People are going to so people are going to acquire this cryptocurrency by by purchase, right? So you, you buy cryptocurrency, you buy Bitcoin if you can afford it at fifty thousand dollars right now, yeah, right. But you buy Bitcoin, and that that coin that, that that there's a value to that, and so eventually a digital currency is going to be the method of payment for most things because it's already happening, right? And dealers are going to have to start thinking forward on that, on how they're going to be able to, what systems they are going to have to implement. I'm telling you, it, it's coming mm-hmm. fast. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it'll, it'll be here in the next, in my opinion, it'll be here in the next two, two years, two to three years for sure. Dealers will have to have some sort of, a, of, of acceptance of payment because people are going to have it at high, you know, high abundance. So you know, that's definitely something that dealers are going to want to look into for sure.
0: Well, and I think the key thing here is to be proactive right? Yes. Like, I mean, our industry is not necessarily known for being proactive. We're, we're pretty damn <laughs> reactive. We'll wait yes. till the very last minute. So I love the fact that you brought up like we at least need to have the conversation, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, with that said, I think there's probably a lot of people listening and watching right now and curious, like what, how would you start that conversation? What would be the two or three things that two or three things that you would talk about during that conversation to get the ball started?
1: Yeah, first off, you I would educate myself. So you, you, it's there's so much to learn with blockchain, with with cryptocurrency, etc., ETFs, Ethereum, all of that. You have to. There's a lot of knowledge of it. I don't know hardly anything sure. about it. Only what I've consumed on the internet. Um, so definitely, you, the conversation starts with, "Hey, let's get to, let's get to understand what this is and how this operates and how it could eventually, you know, affect our business in the future." Secondly, mm-hmm. let's let's find out what the interest level is. Right? Yes. Are consumers really that interested in it? And, 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 and how is it going to uh, really uh, play in, in the role of, you know, buying and selling things online? Yeah, how
0: could that potentially affect our operations? I think just exactly. potentially. We're just, this is all hypothetical right
1: now, but it's a good conversation to have. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that when you look at, like, you know, big names like Elon Musk, and I know, again, this could go a thousand different ways and why he purchased $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Um, to me, honestly. It's the same reason why automotive groups buy big, large properties and put their sure. dealerships because it's a real estate play, right? Sure. Um, and I think that a guy like Elon Musk sees the value in something like this because he understands the trends. He understands what people are really, really interested in. He gets involved and understands what topics are being talked about. And he's purchased such a large bulk of that that when the time comes, and it will, he's going to have a majority in that, in that play. He'll be, he'll be the guy that was ready for it to begin with. So um, I, I, I think it's, it's definitely something that that dealers really, really need to focus on moving forward in the future because gone are the days of hot checks, man. You know, yeah, like no, that's, no, 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 for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, and you know, the thing is, is, is funny is um, I saw this dealership. I mean, it was just literally in the last four or five days. I saw, I saw an ad for this dealership and and they had actually several different ad pieces. I thought, so they actually put some time behind this. To let their entire audience know that they were now accepting Bitcoin as, as potential purchase. Now, obviously, they, they were the audience they were leaning towards were more uh, expensive cars. So their are high end Ferraris and their Porsches and their Bentleys sure. and stuff like that. But they but they, I think it's cool though because they did target the audience right. So they're like, okay, the audience that buys these kind of cars, all right, are early adopters in cryptocurrency. So, for us to be there for that audience or to create kind of a, a why buy with mm-hmm. us, they're like, okay, well, you're early adopters. Well, we're early adopters. Let's be early adopters together. When you go to make a vehicle purchase, we'll, we'll accept your Bitcoin. Um, but I think that, and, and it's funny to see that they were using this as a, as a why buy here which is actually kind of a, a next topic that we were going to talk about today, is you sure. know, how do you develop out a proper why buy? I'd love to get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing you do is you find out what your consumers want, right? So you, every dealership has, they have a client base, right? We have all the information that we want. We, don't, we do a lot of various things with it, but I, I re, if I was a dealer right now, if you and I were running a dealership, Jason, and mm-hmm. we wanted to mm-hmm. that. Build a why buy for our dealership. The first thing I'd say is, all right, give me the last, you know, give me ten thousand of the most recent customers from our dealership in the last two years, and then we're going to spend over the next two months. We're going to reach out to these clients individually by phone, email, text, whatever it may be, but we're going to communicate with them and we're going to come up with a series of questions, and then we're going to reward them maybe with a free oil change if they answer the questions, whatever it may be, and we're going to find out what what they're looking for from their next car buying experience, from their next service experience. Um, the goods and the bads. I like that. What that's they cool. hate what they hate, what they love. And then we build a why buy based upon the the variety of answers we get and, and the top five answers we get. And there it is. And now we know what the masses, you know, the majority of people are looking for and what their expectations are. We gotta listen to the people.
0: No, that's actually a really good point. I mean I, I think a lot of people assume that they need to define, you know, the the why buy when in reality the why buy already kind of exists is we just have to sit there and listen to our customers on why they actually purchase from us. And Mm -hmm. um, I love the idea of calling them and doing it. But I also find that we don't spend enough time actually reading our reviews. And there are some dealerships Mm -hmm. out there that have thousands and thousands of Google reviews. I mean, read through a couple hundred of these, and you'll start (laughs) to see a pattern on why someone ultimately purchased from you versus somewhere else. And you may or may not like that. But that's a good but it's a good practice or it's a it's a it's a good uh, project to do because then you're gonna be able to say, I don't particularly like what they're saying. I don't like I I appreciate the fact that they're telling us why they like why they're buying, but that's not where what I would like them to say. Then we can kind of reverse backwards to help define the why the why buy. We got a chance to talk a little bit about this offline before we started our recording, but we we both agreed there is one why buy out there, right? The dealership used on a regular basis and nobody actually gives a crap about. All right. What is that one? Why buy?
1: The one why buy we talked
0: about at the beginning. Yeah, the
1: reason the reason, one, the the reason, reason
0: that no one actually cares, but we use it all the time.
1: And no one actually cares that. See, man, we we have such a good
0: song. conversation. You already forgot. All right. No one gives. A, <laughs> <laughs> no one gives a crap that your family owned. Ooh, all right. There, there we is. go. Now I'm, I'm going to let you explain why no one cares. <laughs> That right. you know, just because your family owned, is not a why buy. It is simply straight up not a why buy. But I'll let you explain why that's not a why buy.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not a why buy. I mean, I don't buy from someone because their 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 dad or their grandma or their grandpa owned the dealership, because it does nothing for me as a consumer, right? It, it, that doesn't ensure me that I'm going to get the best deal, that I'm going to have the best service experience long term. Uh, it, it doesn't really do anything for me. It, it, it tells exactly. a story. That would that would be a great. That's a great way to, to, to build that audience on TikTok, as we were Agreed. talking about previously. Start telling the story. Yeah, my grandfather owned this dealership in 1908, and my and blah blah blah. We ran a tractor over that field over there. You know, that's a great <laughs> way to build. You know, I think the uh, the following on social media. But when it comes to a consumer, and you're trying to attract them, you're trying to give them reasons why to buy. No, I think that that that's that's the that's not. I mean, that that provides really no value to the consumer. It doesn't really give me a reason why I want to buy from them. Um, and there are several reasons why I would want to buy it from a dealership, but that's not one of them.
0: No, it really isn't. And you know what it is, is I think, you know, and I think a lot of people might out there will screw you guys and turn off this podcast, but let's dive a little <laughs> deeper into that because I, I think it's not enough that we just say that we're family owned. That's not a reason why, but what does it mean? What does it mean from a process and people perspective to be family owned that in itself could have value. Like, all right, we're family owned. And because of that, we care so much about our local community that these are the mm. initiatives that we have founded ourselves. In, and every purchase of a vehicle, a percentage of that purchase goes to these foundations. All right. And we do this because we're, we're a family owned business and we've been in this community for 65 years and we're, we want this community to flourish. Okay. That's cool. But the fact, fe- you know, like that could be a real reason. So, uh, look, it's people and process is really should be defining our why buys. All right, mm-hmm. and if you if you're family owned or you have that family owned culture, you got to define that. But I'm curious for you, what are some um, people and process examples? All right, that make great why buys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let me touch on what you said. I think that, like what you just said there about, it's like the sub reason, right? The exactly. thesis is. You know, the thesis is, you know, we, we're family owned and we, we get involved with the community. We donate to these organizations. That's like the thesis statement. I think beneath that, the people in the process, first off, like, you know, the, I think the, we talk about the 10 steps of the sale for in the car business. And, and it's funny because we're, I actually had a conversation with someone about this the other day. The meet and greet to me is, is still out of all the steps, right? It's the most important one, right? Oh, because totally we're going to, we're going to break the ice. I was at a dealership the other day, Jason. And I kid you not, I was standing by the operator's desk and I was just just ch- I was chatting with one of my friends there. And this guy walked into the showroom. And I mean, there was a bunch of salesmen standing around. And I don't even work there, but he just, you know, he saw me, you know, kind of having a conversation with the operator. And so he comes up to me, he's like, hey man, he goes, what can you tell me about that? Well, as a matter of fact, he was asking about that that TRX. And I just started <laughs> just I just started chatting with him, man. Just got to know him a little bit. This guy was a this guy was a CFO for a major company here in Texas, major company. And, and th- I think the bottom line is, is the meet and greet, you know, we we've heard of the 10 foot rule. We've heard of, the way, the way I look at it is this, when my family comes to my house, Jason, if I invite you to my house or I invite anyone in my house to have dinner, right? This is the Cuban way, man. Yeah. I don't wait for them to get to the door. I don't look out the window and say, oh man, some bitch here, you know, like, you know, I don't really want him here, but he's got a big bottle of rum there. I might want to <laughs> hit that up. You know, I go out to the curb and I, I give you a hug. I give you a kiss. I, I, I grab the stuff out of your hand, I ask how the family come on a second. You know, like that has to be the culture that we're breeding at the car dealership. And if that's you really process. Talk about the family, yeah, family experience, that's real family experience right there.
0: And and I think that's what it is, is I think a lot of times is that we're trying to find these these why buy widgets, like these diet pills, these easy buttons, like you should buy for me because I you get a free TV when you purchase or you get, you get winter tires for life. You know, it's like th- those are, see, those are uh, what I call rewards for choosing right. All right, your business, which I think is totally cool with. In fact, I mean, I, I think there's a place for that, but that's not a why buy. And uh, you know, that's a great process. It's like, you know, we, we can document, you know, the way that we welcome someone to the dealership can be a process if we make it a unique process. All right. And we can say like, this is th- this, like, this is the reason we do it. Like that's our why. You know, and, and that, and that's the reason why you should come to us because we do, we have this process and that process and this process. And, and, oh, by the way, you should come to us because look at these three master technicians I have in the back. All right. Mm -hmm. These guys have dedicated their entire life careers. All right. To the product that you're potentially thinking of buying. You want anybody touching that product. It's one of those three gentlemen. And that is the value that we have when you come to do business with us, right? But it's those people, it's those processes. Um, I think that's great. I think that, like, I think that's that's covered the why buy in a great way. And and I, and hopefully we had some people out there that are watching, listening, thinking. Maybe you jotted down some notes. You could go have those conversations and really try to define out. Look at those Google reviews of why buy. Now here's a fun one too, because we're both vendors, and um, you know I, I I crossed over to the dark side. About seven <laughs> years ago. And uh, look, it's been an interesting ride because being on the other side, being on the dealer principal, being on the other side of the desk, uh, boy, did it bring a lot of perspective. And and um, so I, I think there are some great ways to create that vendor partnership, partnership relationship. And then there's some great ways not to do it. Um, but I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on this. It's like, what do you think are some of the best practices for vendors like ourselves out there, right, to create that vendor client relationship with dealerships?
1: I think the first thing is you have to understand that it's 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 a marathon, not a sprint, mm-hmm. right? We hear that okay. term get thrown around, but I I went into the vendor world in 2012 understanding that if I already knew who I was dealing with because I was there, but I knew that I was never going to be able to breach and make anything happen unless I was patient and I understood that it was all about the respect of the people's time that I was in front of and I had to deliver value when I did have that time so you got to go in understanding that it's not going to happen right now you may get a couple of closes just because but if you go in with the mindset of look I have nothing to lose but everything to gain yeah and so that's it I mean that's period point blank the end
0: and, and you know what, I think what it is, is we kind of talked a little bit about earlier when we were kind of talking about salesperson, social branding, and, and it, look, it comes down to value. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that, you know, values perception. That's what it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, most of our industry perceives their value as a very, very, or t- they're, sorry, perceives their time. That's where I was going with this. Um, perceives their time as being a very, very valuable thing. And when you're asking someone for time, well, you better have a damn good reason or an exchange of value to be able to get that time. And I don't think for a lot of vendors that they've ever really, we are talking earlier about why dealerships need to create their why buys. All right. As vendors, we need to create the, well, why give me 15 minutes? And, you know, but, but real value, not, 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 let me, I'm going to show you how to fix your business. Um, you know what I mean? So like, how do you think vendors, or maybe you have some good examples of, of how vendors can define their, their, why, why give us 15 minutes of their time?
1: Yeah. First off, it, it, it's, it's kind of like the LinkedIn, uh, headlines. I provide X with Y to solve Z, right? Sure. And so I, I, I look at it the same fashion, uh, you know, whatever you're doing out there and whatever vendor you know role you're carrying, you, you have to understand what is it you're actually providing for them right and, and and how do you go about doing it and what what problems does it solve? And then you have to practice in, in, in 30 seconds or less you have to have a, a real strong elevator pitch to be able to articulate that message and that's hard. That's really, really, really hard. but you have to define what it is. I think best examples uh, with the company I'm with now, I've got some good examples of have some great examples from the one that I was with previously. I was in the, the quote unquote key replacement space for seven years. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on the finance side and we actually do a similar, similar thing. Um, but I had to start understanding cause I was in the use car department for so long. What was it that I hated the most when the customers were asked for that second key? Oh man, I hated having to say, man, you know, Hey, you tell them we don't got, one. you know what I mean? Or, You know, dude, this is a used car, you know, like, well, what do they expect? You know, like, and so I started putting myself in that, in that person's shoes because I was there. And then I started answering those very, solving those very problems that I had with the solutions that I offered. And I was able to go in and say, Hey, you know, what are you doing when the customer asks you for a second? key? And I knew what they were going to say. And so once they said that, I'd say, Hey, listen, I got a solution. I know why you're not doing it because it costs so damn much. Let me show you a better way. Give me 10 seconds, you know, 10 minutes of your time. I promise you I'll be gone if you don't like what you see. You know, and I come up with jokes and they put this. I used to always say, I'm like Nicholas Cage. I'll be gone in 60 seconds. You know what I mean? So you got to, you bring some humor <laughs> into it, man. And, but that's what it was. You got to define what it is you're offering and then really propose it in a, in a, in a quick and in a, in articulated way. I think, um, see, I, for me, what's really worked for me as
0: a vendor is um, regardless if you decide to work with us as a company or not, all right, uh, that 10 or 15 minutes that we're going to spend, I'm going to give you some strategic uh, ideas or best practices, all right, that is going to, to ultimately bring, bring bring you value, right? And I, I think right right now is like I my goal, all right, I think the key element to creating a vendor partner relationship is that I need to bring more value than they bring to me right out of the gate. Sure. So, meaning that, you know, if my widget is 500 bucks a month, all right, I need to bring them some value that far exceeds that expense, all right? Cuz that cuz it it creates that relationship. It shows the fact like it's like all right here. Let, let let me let me show you a strategy, all right, that I've had some other dealerships do that have brought some serious increase. We're talking, you know, 0.3, 0.4, you know, hours per additional work order, you know, a laid offer. Here's what they did, okay? And I'll leave it with them. And I'm like, this is yours. This is yours to take. This is, if you want to run it, run it. If you need help running it, let me help you run it, right? But it's just like, if they were to execute on that strategy, all right, the value they're going to get far exceeds whatever I was trying to pitch them in the first place. So that's where I see, I see like, if you, if you really want to create a strong, strong, strong vendor partner relationship, come in swinging with the value. And you know, that, that value comes in the form of money, time, education, Mm education, entertainment, all right? Every single person finds something different as far as value goes, right? You know, um, yeah. I how often we've taken uh, dealers out for lunch, and it's not necessarily that we're there to pitch them something. It's because I'm actually pulling them out so they have some time to reset themselves, right? right? And they see value in that. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. man, right? Like this, the, this one hour to reset and just hang and have a nice ca- casual conversation was worth more <laughs> than, than it was than it was for me to just pay for your widget altogether, right? Let's keep doing mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. But I think that's what it is. It's an exchange of value. Look, I know that we're getting towards the tail end of our time, and we can easily probably do an entire podcast just on this one topic, right? But before I let you go, Michael, um, for everyone out there that's watching and listening and would love to kind of continue these multiple conversations that we've had, <laughs> these multiple topics, all right? What is the best way for someone to connect with you and continue these conversations?
1: Yeah, no, they can reach me on on LinkedIn, Michael Bolero. Uh, that's I'm always on LinkedIn. They can reach me on TikTok if they want to check out the TikTok channel. I'm even happy, Jason. I'm looking forward going, to looking it up. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 under sales noob, S-A-L-E-S, N-E-W-B. And they can get an idea of what I'm doing. I'm even happy to go to their dealership and just do a f- couple of free videos for them to show their staff how to do it. So they uh, go value, uh, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, they can find me there and then they can email me, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, B as in Bravo, at T-K-E-Y, Fetch, F-E-T-C-H, dot com.
0: Awesome. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a ton of fun. You have yourself an amazing day.
1: You too, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for
0: tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris don't want to miss new content be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know remember to like comment and subscribe happy podcasting